Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail... ..a problem. New Massey University research shows housing affordability dropped an average 14% last year. I don't think you can call it a crisis. What you can say, though, is Auckland House prices have been rising, and rising too quickly, actually. A solution. The Labour Party is promising to create a new agency to deliver large-scale affordable housing and also tighten tax rules on investment properties. Around half of the homes in its developments would be from the Kiwi Build programme, aimed at building 10,000 affordable homes a year for a decade. A uh, failure. The Housing Minister's admission that the Kiwi Build target may not be reached this year, as promised, has come as no surprise to the building and construction industry. More than six months into the programme, 33 homes have been built, well short of the first-year target. A fallout. The National Party says the government owes the public an explanation following the official resignation of Kiwi Build's chief. In a statement issued on his behalf, Stephen Barclay announced he would step down from today. Jacinda Ardern is changing tack with the housing portfolio, taking the responsibility away from the flailing Phil Twyford and instead sharing the load between a team of five to be headed by Megan Woods. And now, a problem. The same problem. House prices have increased by almost 20% on the same time last year. In Auckland, the average price of a house has now reached $1 million for the first time. Housing is arguably the number one topic of discussion in New Zealand at the moment, almost like a re-emergence of the landed gentry and the rent-bound plebeians. A whole generation of young people feel they've been locked out of the market as property evolves from providing a roof over your head to being the most sensible thing you can actually do with your money. But changes require decisions, like capital gains taxes, which will put politicians offside with home-owning voters. Changes one commentator describes as fiendishly difficult, and it's often put in the too-hard basket. What that means is that our decision-makers really need to either put up or shut up when it comes to housing, because they do have some of the ultimate levers, they've got the cash, they've got the regulatory powers to change. Either they want to make a difference, or they're complicit in seeing what we're currently experiencing as the new norm for New Zealand, and that's absolutely abhorrent. That is Senior Economist and Infometrics Director Brad Olson, and today I'm sitting down with him to get a health check on the state of the housing market. We'll discuss how and why KiwiBuild failed and the power of local councils in dictating what gets built and what doesn't, as well as his solutions for sorting things out. A lot of the discussion around housing seems based on this idea that New Zealand is in a housing crisis. Um, Do you agree with that? Are we in a housing crisis at the moment? We're undoubtedly in a housing crisis, and it's getting worse. And I think the concern is now that we're starting to see it very viscerally on the streets. You know, it used to be a few years back people were questioning if this was a crisis. Uh, A lot of commentators said that it was, uh, but that wasn't necessarily clear to Joe Blogg on the street. Now you hear from people, they're saying, look, my kids can't get into the housing market. Uh, You know, there's a real struggle. I know too many people who are doing it tough. So it's really come to the forefront, and and actually I think it's the most critical uh, and complex issue that New Zealand's faced in a long, long time. What is a housing crisis? How would you define it? 
I think for me what it comes back to is that can people have that choice uh, to get into housing at an appropriately priced level, you know, this is at the end of the day putting a roof over their head and although you may well be able to pay for it, you shouldn't have to pay through the nose for such a basic necessity. And so I think it's looking around that pricing, it's looking around the accessibility and it's looking around that choice that you have of where you locate yourself, who you're locating with and how much you're paying for that uh, privilege which is actually a right. When you look back at the sort of short to medium term past, what are the chief factors, do you think, that have gone into getting us where we are now? I think one of them is is sort of not planning for tomorrow, but actually not even planning for today. New Zealand's really good and has been really good over time of planning for 10 years ago uh, when, you know, so we don't even plan for now. We certainly don't look ahead. Uh, we're very sort of retrospective. We're too uh, backwards looking, and that means that we don't see the possible car crash that comes in front of us. We don't even look to check what the Speedo's doing when we're looking uh, in our rear vision mirror. So I say that because over time we just haven't had supply that has kept pace with demand. Now, look, people might argue that we uh, there should be different settings on demand, uh, how many people, you know, might be coming into the country. That's a political decision, and I, I, I think I'd really struggle with uh, trying to set a target on how many people might be coming into New Zealand, particularly given that a lot of them are returning Kiwis at points. So from my point of view, we know that there have been New Zealanders and others coming into the country. We know that the population has grown significantly. We've completely ignored the fact that we need to actually build more and build better quality housing for those people. So it's that supply hasn't kept up with demand over the last wee while. It feels like we've been talking talking about housing for a long time in my life, but not necessarily with the same urgency as we are now. It's almost like suddenly the rising waters are up about to enter our nose and we're thinking, okay, maybe we should do something here, you know? Well, exactly. And, and, you know, to use that analogy, you go, well, you know, why didn't we feel the water rising higher and higher and higher over recent times? And and I think that has been the thing that we've, we've sort of buried our heads in the sand over how much of an increase in housing we, we're going to need. But also we've sort of ignored how long it takes these things to come through. I mean, everyone's talking about housing at the moment being a critical issue but they also seem to want to solve it in the next month. And that's just not going to happen. You don't solve these sort of issues that quickly. The Titanic doesn't turn uh, in that fast a regard. So by sort of leaving it for so long, what we've actually done is we've said, look, we don't have enough capacity to look after how New Zealand looked 10 years ago. We're not looking at the future either, and we're not replacing some of the uh, assets that we need to to actually push the country forward. So in my mind, one of the big changes was after the global financial crisis. You had quite a drop uh, in housing activity. That was sort of because you didn't have the same levels of finance. But when housing got going again, when demand for housing uh, started to shift higher, you didn't have the supply that was available. You didn't have the number of builders, you didn't have that capacity in the construction sector to actually build those number of houses. So basically we started from a a cold start. There was no momentum in construction and we had to rebuild that at a much slower pace than how we were adding uh, additional demand, how many people were coming into the country. In 2012, New Zealand actually had negative net migration with 3,000 more people leaving the country than arriving. But over the following seven years, we had average net migration of more than 45,000 people every single year. When you add that to natural population increase, you find New Zealand grew by, on average, more than 73,000 people every year from 2013 to 2019. That is a population increase of more than half a million people in just six years. And I think a lot of that comes back to our planning. 
Now, we have forecasts of where population growth is going to go, and I think sometimes we wed ourselves too much to those forecasts without looking out you know, out the window and, and seeing the world around us. Those forecasts that we've often looked at suggested that population growth would be a lot slower. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that it's been faster in recent years, and we haven't really taken heed of that faster growth and resourced it. We've sort of stuck to our guns and said, no, no, uh, population growth is, is, has been slower. There's not as much of an issue because we've resourced for uh, a, you know a different expectation, and that comes back to the likes of councils, uh, you know, who just haven't put enough money into some of the core, literal, you know, um, foundations of the country, and also to government who have sort of abdicated responsibility. This is not a new problem, but it hasn't really been acted on in the last wee while, and that's sort of um, you know an issue for politicians of, of both stripes. We had a plan. The Labour Party is promising to create a new agency to deliver large-scale affordable housing and also tighten tax rules on investment properties. What was the original plan with KiwiBuild? Well, I think that's the thing is, you know, we, we say it's a, it was a plan. It wasn't a plan. It was a pipe dream. I mean, I can sketch out for you that, you know, I want there to be two million more jobs in New Zealand. I mean, that's a great idea, but it's not necessarily a plan. It's a pipe dream to start with. And I think that's where KiwiBuild fell down is that it was conceptualised in that period when the housing uh, market was still getting going when construction was still trying to build up some of that momentum. Uh, So, you know, essentially it was thinking, look, there's not enough construction activity at the moment. If we plan ahead, we'll eventually get uh, more going. But look, one of the critical reasons that KiwiBuild didn't get going uh, and and didn't fulfil its obligations, in a sense, is because that idea of what the problem was was never well defined. Was it that we needed more houses uh, in general? Was it that we needed more affordable housing? Was it that we needed to increase home ownership rates and let first home buyers get into the market? No one was sort of quite sure. that The, the main idea was to build more houses. Mm. The struggle was is that by the time this plan got into execution, when Labor came in uh, in 2017, the building activity was actually at a relatively high level. And we can see that at the moment. The private sector is building huge amounts and is essentially capped out in terms of how much capacity it could bring forward, at least in the short term. So the struggle that we saw when um, KiwiBuild came along is that the government was sort of essentially making up numbers to try and make uh, KiwiBuild fit and work. And the, what was going to happen is that KiwiBuild could well have built uh, you know, tens of thousands of homes but they were going to be built anyway by the private sector. So all you were doing was sort of um, you know, taking with one hand and giving with the other. It wasn't solving some of the more critical issues that over time we weren't going to be able to build as many houses and we weren't going to be able to look after those Kiwis who are looking for a house, who are trying to find something slightly more affordable, who, who just want a roof over their heads that they can call their own. So is this kind of a situation that not all houses are built equal in a sense in terms of who is going to be able to live in them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, one of the major failings of um, of KiwiBuild was that they built houses in areas that there wasn't enough demand. Wanaka's housing market is booming and affordable housing is in high demand. But why are five out of ten KiwiBuild homes sitting empty? More than 200 KiwiBuild homes have been earmarked for Wanaka's North Lake subdivision with the expectation they'll be built in the next two years. The original ten were offered in a ballot, but only five have sold since October. I'm pretty sure there's a great story of um, a Kiwi build uh, development in Tokofata where there just wasn't enough uh, employment activity around there. So there were there were 
KiwiBuild homes uh, that private developers built with the KiwiBuild backing, and eventually the government had to buy those homes out because no one was interested in moving there. Um, now, anyone could have told you that there wasn't enough employment around there and that that, what, that area of the country at that time wasn't the prime place that you needed to build KiwiBuild homes. But what it also, I think, did is it, again, took the focus too much on the silver bullet option. Uh, and we see this far too often in, in New Zealand when it comes to housing, the, the focus on a silver bullet to fix you know, all of the issues we see, but also this fixation, I guess, on um, pointing the, the, the finger and blaming different people. I, th- I think it's, it's such a useless argument to point the finger because what it does is it focuses our energy too much on attributing blame and completely takes away from any sort of impetus to, to build more, to actually uh, change the, the settings that would allow for additional construction. You can't solve this crisis in a year. You can't solve it probably even in two or three. But the longer you wait to implement changes, the longer everyone else has to wait for their house. Can you explain the role of councils in getting houses built? Essentially, the legislation, the settings that that local government and central government set out uh, highlight how you might be able to build, how high, um, you know, what sort of steps you have to take to to get uh, a spade in the ground. So to start with, you're going to have to put forward some plans. You have to get someone to design what your new house or your new uh, set of dwellings will look like. You put that through to the council they'll probably come back with a bunch of questions. Uh, You know, what sort of materials are you thinking of using? Um, You know, what colour paint do you want the flashings to be? Uh, You might need to have certain specific sorts of trees or or similar that are uh, planted in the local, uh, in the nearby area. So that's sort of the the first hurdle. The second one is that you often get uh, that it's actually the wider community who stops things uh, changing. Mm. And you've seen that a lot in New Zealand over the last five to ten years, that a lot of these consents, when you put that application in, you'd say to council, I want to build, and they say, okay, these are the settings you have to build within, this is the rule book, um, you can't break the rules, and if you want to break the rules, or actually just to get a consent, uh, you need to make sure that everyone else around you is, is all right, or that we at least consider what they think. So, you know, what will happen then is often you'll find that your uh, soon-to-be neighbour is going, well, I don't want a new house nearby to me. I quite like how things are. I don't want any change. Uh, So they'll submit against this potential development or they'll ask for, you know, a smaller house or, uh, you know, the, the position of the house to be changed so that the light doesn't come in the wrong window. All of that means that you're having to pay your lawyer, uh, your surveyor, your, your engineer a lot more money to try and get this house over the line. And so the struggle there is that uh, you know it takes so long to get building activity done, it's so onerous um, that a lot of people either throw up their hands and say, look, it's just too hard, or you're stuck for so long uh, that you're just in this massive bottleneck where you want to get building, people want a house to live in, uh, but you're having to play the paperwork merry-go-round before you do anything. Huh, yeah, that's interesting because uh, yeah, one of the things that's always puzzled me is the idea that if owning property is almost a foolproof investment at the moment and money and borrowing money is so cheap at the moment, then why aren't individual people just going out and building their own houses? Well, exactly, and, and part of that comes down to you know all of this paperwork being way too much of a hassle to go through for a lot of people. But the other thing is that planning rule book that we mentioned earlier, a lot of the times that says to people, well, actually, you can't do that there. You can't build that, the house that you've envisaged on that bit of land because it's uh, it's it's not zoned properly or we think that there should be fewer uh, homes on it or you've got to sort of think about the character protections. You can't bowl that really old, uh, really sickly, really damp house because it's uh, nice and old and we've got to protect that sort of stuff. I mean, I know that sounds pretty stupid, but that's literally 
really what you have across the country is that some of the restrictions on change uh, mean that it's just simply too hard. Greg Minister's work in interest shows 12 months to June, Auckland's population increased by 37,000 and more than 14,000 new dwellings were completed in the 12 months to June, which would suggest that, you know, things are actually looking, kind of looking good in, in Auckland. Is that the case? Look, I, th- I think the way I'd characterise it is that we're starting to get on top of the problem. Uh, the challenge is, is that it's not going to be a, a quick fix. Now that we're starting to get on top of the problem, we have to maintain that momentum to build through all of the lack of activity we've had uh, over recent years. State housing builds have increased considerably, ninefold, I think Twyford claimed, um, over the past sort of three or four years. I mean, is that is that a positive sign? I suppose the scale and scope is a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're talking thousands of houses versus tens of thousands of houses uh, to start with. But look, again, the right direction, but we're only sort of, um, well, we're not even really getting on top of the issues at the moment. We have seen state housing uh, increase, but again, not to meet the levels of demand. In the last, I think in the last month, we've seen an additional thousand people uh, go on to the, the uh, social housing register. Yep, as of June, there were more than 18,000 applicants waiting for state housing, an increase of 50% on June last year. We just haven't kept up, and we're seeing people that are, are very much reaching breaking point in terms of they, they simply can't afford housing. They'd love to. They'd love to pour all of their money into it, but they can't afford it anymore, so they're looking for to the government for help. The amount of money that we're spending on emergency housing grants, the number of motels across the country that are being used uh, to house people who can't find a roof to keep over their heads is, I mean, both stunning and and just simply appalling. I mean, we're New Zealand and and we think it's all right that we spend billions on keeping people in motels and, and, um, you know, all of those sort of issues, I think it's it's a real damning indictment that we are starting to, to get on top of these sort of issues, but we haven't done enough over recent years, and that means that we'll be in this position for a few more years longer. One of the big impediments to people building their own houses is, ironically, other people. The teams, as it were, non-property owners and property owners, change. Maybe you bust your ass for a few years and you finally get yourself a house, and at that stage, you actually don't want the price of housing to drop down considerably in a short period of time. So you know your priorities kind of change a bit, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, humans are self-interested. That's not a new uh, sort of concept. But I think we need to recognise as well that the, the level of disparity, the, the sort of the uneven uh, balance of scales completely puts this sort of, uh, you know, housing options out of reach for a lot of people and the worry I think is that we've talked about inequality in New Zealand over recent years, Uh, we've seen some of that coming through the current pandemic the challenge I think is that it's, it's, we haven't started to close that gap, but in fact we haven't even tried to stop it getting wider. That, that's what it's doing at the moment. We're not even uh, you know, making progress on inequality. We're watching it before our very eyes get worse and worse to the point where eventually it becomes so hard to claw back that it will take you many generations to, to sort of see that uh, change in inequality to actual, actually allow some people to get onto the housing ladder. I mean, the struggle I see for young people and, and you know, for, for people of my age group as I look around and I talk to peers, 
is that everyone talks about getting on the housing ladder. Well, at the moment, you need a pole vault to get onto that bottom rung. It's so hard to actually reach that. Once you're on it, very easy to climb the ladder. You know, mortgage repayments are relatively low at the moment and are set to stay low for the next wee while. And the risk becomes that we all start to push that way uh, so much later in life that the amount of money we have in the economy, the investments that we make, uh, do start to skew some of the decisions that we have as a country. The panacea to this held up by you know pretty much everyone is simply build more houses, increase supply. Is it actually that simple? Well, nothing's ever that simple, but it would go a damn long way to uh, sorting the issue. I think the struggle is that people want to see building more houses tomorrow and everything fixed in the next year. Mm-hmm. But, and, and this is what we have profiled before um, and we've talked about a little bit earlier today, was that there's no silver bullet. It's not just build more houses. It's building better houses. Uh, it's building houses in the right locations. That's a lot of the supply side stuff. But it's also making sure that we continue to do that. This is not a uh, an issue that has sprung up on New Zealand. In the last few years and if we you know suddenly build a lot more houses and then go and sit down and go yeah no good good day's work there team uh we'll, we'll sit down for a bit and, and nothing else will happen because we've solved the problem the problem doesn't ever stop in a sense we need to continue to ensure that we understand what those uh population flows are looking like and how we provision them properly i mean the fact that um, here in wellington where i am at the moment you have poo running down the streets uh because we can't put enough money into our pipes i mean literally a pretty shitty situation. Um, There are huge struggles here when it comes to to, um, the infrastructure, and and I think the challenge, right, is that if we don't get those base foundations right, we don't actually allow ourselves to build more into the future. So that's the supply side element. You've got to zone better. uh, You've got to allow for infrastructure financing. You've got to ensure that we are actually building more houses, and all of that takes time. On the other side of the coin, you do need to make some changes when it comes to demand. Uh, We've seen that the Reserve Bank is going to put back on some of the LVRs, uh, restrict back a little bit more of the the housing lending or the riskier lending that we're seeing out there. That'll take the heat out of investors. Uh, But at the moment as well, you talk to anyone across the country and they've got a bit of cash spare. The smartest place to put your money at the moment is housing Mm. because it makes a great return. It's not well, compared to other assets, it's not really tax uh, like other things, um, and it's it's generally seen as pretty safe because the government hasn't allowed uh, for the potential for house prices to even moderate, uh, let alone fall. You know, at the moment we're hoping that house prices might uh, house price growth might slow. We don't expect it to fall, but goodness, it'd be good if it wasn't running it running at twenty percent per annum. You know, that's that's an incredibly fast clip. That means. Even if you do get a one to two percent drop, um, you're in no better, uh, no worse position than almost a year ago. It's it's very minimal. You're talking about the lack of solutions. You know that we, we're very, we're very good at highlighting problems, not so good at coming up with solutions. What are some of the um, pragmatic um, things that you think would actually make a difference in this space? The major one is is coming up with a comprehensive plan. Now, I know that sounds like politician speak, but the reason I say that is because then you list all of the different elements you need. So within something like that plan, you would have your uh, immediate RMA reform. You'd you'd make sure that you cut out a lot of the fluffy wording in there to actually allow for development. You'd do some of what the government's already doing with its fast-track consents, but you'd try and roll that out across the country um, to reduce the amount of uh, paperwork, but also the amount of appeals and, and sort of people that can um, come and stop you from developing or can object to you developing. I'd also want to bring in um, some infrastructure financing. So at the moment, a local council can get uh, you know, possibly up to 50% of the cost of a new road funded by the government. 
If you want to build a new pipe, though, you've got to pay for that all yourself locally. So I'd introduce some sort of subsidy uh, for water provision so that we can keep a check on what local government's spending, but also incentivise them to spend more. You'd go and do a lot more modular building um, and provide some sort of specificity around when we are going to build that there are, you know, there's a need to build in a very similar sort of way. The government can lead the way on that using the likes of the state housing uh, models by actually getting some of that, uh, I guess, seed funding some of those developments when it comes to modular builds and setting out what a stock standard house might look like. You'd want to bring in tax change. You'd be absolutely very clear about that, either a capital gains tax or a land tax or similar to ensure that you are having a simple uh, focus on on where people's investments are going to go. And I think as well as that, you'd make sure that you are making it not only easier in terms of the logistics, but also cheaper to build by reducing as many of the costs uh, as you can to building by providing some sort of subsidy, perhaps through to the building sector to build additional capacity. The last one, though, is actually making some uh, and, and really sense testing some forecasts of what is coming forward in the future. Again, the struggle I see is that even if we f- solve the current housing crisis, New Zealand is so fixated on the past that I don't think we're going to see the next crisis crop up until it you know, has already overwhelmed us like this current crisis has. So I think we do need to focus on what is coming next, where are people likely to be living, what sort of provisions do we need to think about so that we get them into the ground ahead of time rather than you know, becoming so frightened when it's already overtaken us that we seem to be frozen in place without the ability to make those changes. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Blair Stagpool and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Brad Olson. Matewa. Matewa.